What's up, peeps? We're back. As always, I'm your host, Lee Benson. and thank you so much for joining us for our podcast edition of the AEW Insider. On this show, we got the results and my thoughts, what my predictions were for NXT in your house. And let me tell you, as I predicted, it did not disappoint. It really never does. Remember, if you want to stick around, uh, you can win an AEW Chris Jericho action figure. Just hang around to the end of the show, and I will let you know how La Champion could be yours. Let's get to the pay-per-view. The first match was on the pre-show. It was Mia Yim versus Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae, my baby Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. What a show opener. These ladies went all out. The crowd was hype as fuck, and not because the crowd is made up of NXT people, but it was because the ladies were tearing it up. In the end of the match, Dakota Kai hit Gonzalez with a kick to the face and gave the faces an opening for the win. So I got that one wrong. The winners were Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart. And then on the card, we did have Finn Balor versus Damien, or I say Damien Priest. Your winner was Finn Balor. Finn Balor just set a takeover record with that win. He has 11 wins at takeover. It's more than any other superstar has, but whoa. Those two beat the piss out of each other, and Priest did get the shine as I hoped he would. There were some crazy spots, like when Priest chokeslammed Balor off the top rope while he stood on the second rope, and later, Priest was on the outside of the ring. He wanted to put Balor in a razor's edge and then have him drop on the steel steps that were on the floor. Balor reversed it and hit Priest with a move. Priest went flying off the ring apron and literally landed straight on his back on top of the steel steps. It looked fucking brutal. In the end, though, it took Balor two coup de gras and he got the win. It was a great fucking match, and Balor even gave him a little bit of respect after. Next up, we did have the NXT North American Championship. It was Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. It was another great match. I mean, what a match. You can, what match can you name that Gargano is in that is not good? Like, literally, if he loses or not, any match that Johnny Wrestling is, especially at a takeover, is going to be superb. It was very slow, though. There was a lot of back and forth. It was very physical. That's one word you're going to hear me use a lot tonight is physical because the pay-per-view was fucking vicious. There was lots of spots and reverses, but it just came off as slow to me. There was this one crazy spot when Keith Lee did his bull charge and he put Gargano right through the plastic and over the plastic divider in the ringside like the steel gates. And then uh, what you call it? Fucking um, Gargano when he landed, even though he landed on the plastic, you could see his shoulder actually hit one of the bottom of the ring barriers. So I know that fucking had to hurt. That shit was crazy. At the end of the match, Candice LeRae came out and Mia Yim followed her. They fought. While they did that and the ref was distracted, Gargano took something out of his tights and he went for Lee's eyes. He fucked Lee up. Gargano tried to capitalize off it numerous times, but Lee kept kicking out. In the end, Lee hit him with a finisher and he retained his title. 
It was a great match, but those two, like Priest and Balor, like I said, they beat the living piss out of each other. So right now, I'm one and two on my predictions. Uh, the next match, which I was very, very, very surprised of, well, actually, Peace, we're going to take a break because I'm telling you, this is kind of long because I was definitely into it. So we'll take a break real quick. We'll pay the bills. But next up, we do have the NXT Championship up for grabs. It's the champ, Adam Cole Bebe, versus the wannabe champ, the Velveteen Dream. And it wasn't a backlot brawl. It was the cinematic thing, what have you. The whole match literally, and I'll just say this right now before I tell you what happened. The whole match, they were in a parking lot. There was a ring set up. It was literally surrounded probably by about, I don't know, 12, 15 cars, like in more than a quarter of, uh, more than about a quarter of a circle, three quarters of a circle. And they all had their headlights flashed on the ring. It was fucking dope. But anyway, peace. Let me pay the bills real quick. And we'll be right back because this match i got a lot of details on what have you and plus besides what happened on the show i got some great stories about how wwe actually uh called an ex-wwe superstar's girlfriend and wanted to use their house at a location and he was pissed because they didn't ask him plus i got other shit so definitely stay tuned i'll get right back to let you know did adam cole keep his nxt title and is he, or is did he lose it and is he getting called up all right i'm rambling on peeps i'll be right back all right, peeps, we're back. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms, also on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1 as a number one. I was going to say the NXT Insider. I don't even know the name of my own channel anymore. But anyway, speaking of NXT, let's get back to the NXT Championship match. We have the defending champion, Adam Cole, Bebe, versus the Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl. Now, this match was great. Cole legit showed up in a huge, undisputed monster truck. So it was a big, big monster truck, and it had undisputed all over it. Then the Velveteen Dream showed up in a yellow Lamborghini. It was dope. When the Dream got out of the Lamborghini, he was legit dressed as Negan from the fucking Walking Dead. He had Negan's red scarf, he had the leather jacket, and more importantly, he actually had Lucille, the baseball bat, in his hand. Early in the match, Cole said he was leaving. He said, you don't deserve this. I'm fucking out of here. And he tried taking off in the car. But the Dream stopped him with Lucille. He beat the shit out of the car to stop him. During the match, when they were beating the shit out of each other on the ground, a woman pulled up in a car and she asked if anybody had called for an Uber. It was fucking hilarious. Adam Cole whipped the Dream's ass majority of the match. One point, the Dream was going to jump off a tall ladder onto Cole, but then the rest of the Undisputed showed up in a car, minus Kylo O'Reilly. Cole climbed the ladder, Dream knocked him off, and Cole landed right on top of a car windshield. He was bleeding from his arm. He then, uh, what you call it, had Undisputed go after the Dream. He's like, you know what to do, go after him, blah, blah, blah. So they went and attacked him. Uh, then what you call it, after they were also, while attacking him, they threw legit like 30 steel chairs into the ring. Out of nowhere, that weirdo psychopath who I fucking love, and I think he's going to be huge in WWE, Dexter Loomis came out from under the ring. He started attacking Roderick Strong and then Bobby Fish. Loomis beat the, beat the shit out of the Undisputed. He put them in the trunk of the own car that they pulled up with, and he just drove away with them. It reminded me of the movie The Collector. 
The Dreamin' Cole then took the fight back into the ring, a.k.a. where the 30 steel chairs were still laying. The Dream was talking smack to Adam Cole. Adam Cole literally gave him a forearm right in the fucking nutsack. Cole climbed to the ropes. He hit him with the Panama Sunrise right on top of the chairs for the one, two, three. Your winner and still NXT champion, Adam Cole. Bebe. And now the Velveteen Dream cannot cha- challenge for the NXT title again. I don't know if it's ever again or if it's a, um, against Adam Cole, but that's the stipulation. AKA is going to be getting called up soon. But what an awesome match. It was shot like the Boneyard match, all cinematic. It was fucking awesome. Next up, we did have Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross Again, Another fucking physical match. And how could it not be with those two? I mean, really. Everybody so far tonight beat the shit out of each other besides an opening match with the ladies. But they made up for it with all the spots they pulled off. They got the show kicked off right. This was a very, very short match. And Cross pretty much dominated all of it. If you ask me, it was the weakest match of the night. And especially with Cross going against uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa should be pretty much unbeatable. But Cross is definitely... Definitely the chink in his armor because he made quick work of them, and your winner is Killer Cross, as I predicted. And then finally, the crows that close out the show, they actually had the NXT Women's Championship match. It was Charlotte Flair, who was the champ, versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. It started off slow, and it was not, and what you call I really wasn't into it at first, but the ladies really picked it up. Io Shirai kicks a match. She got the show off tonight. This game, excuse me, this again was another physical match. I know you're sick of me saying that, but it really was. I do not know why they saved this match for last, though. It didn't suck at all, but it was definitely not better than a couple other ones on the card. At one point, Io jumped off the top of the house, a.k.a. the set, and landed on top of the two, and that house was fucking dumb ass high. And like I said, it was very, it was a very high jumping point. In the end, Flair had Ripley in a figure eight, and EO jumped off the rope on top of them. And I'm a little worried because she legit landed right on top of Rhea Ripley's head. I hope she's okay, but EO did get the one, two, three. And your new NXT Women's Champion is EO Shirai. And I couldn't be happier. I called that one all day. Now, my picks for tonight were about 50% uh, on this pay-per-view. I predicted half of the wins. On the usual, I do a lot better, but always going for the heels and the underdog definitely fucks my percentage up. But overall, it was a great fucking show. The set was great. The crowd was great. The excitement, the atmosphere. Like I said, an NXT pay-per-view will almost never let you down. They even had current stars in between the show doing like Ico Pro commercials and WWE ice cream bars it was fucking great as vince mcmahon said such good shit all right peace we gotta pay the bills but definitely stick around because we got some stories for you not a few but i got some for you so make sure you come right back and you also find out how to win that chris jericho aew action figure we'll be right back all right peeps thanks so much for coming back remember just stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can win that aew la champion action figure. Like I said, I got a couple stories, but not many because we had to cover the pay-per-view tonight. 
Now, to the stories. While the location of where the Otis and Mandy pool scene was originally supposed to be filmed at has been revealed. Come to find out it belongs to an, a current NXT wrestler and her now ex-WWE employee future husband, and he was not happy about it. Peep it, peeps. Matt Cardona revealed on his major wrestling figure podcast that WWE wanted to tape the Otis and Mandy segment that they aired on SmackDown on May 29th from his house, more specifically from his pool. The company that only just recently released the former Zack Ryder didn't even ask him directly. Instead, they went to his fiance, Chelsea Green, who wrestles for them on NXT. Ryder said, I'm sitting by the pool with Chelsea, and she has a weird look on her face. She keeps checking her phone. I'm like, babe, what's up? She's like, someone from WWE asked me if Otis and Mandy and a camera crew could come here to film a pool scene for SmackDown. Ryder said he was shaking in anger. You guys fired me, but you want to use my pool? I was pissed they didn't ask me and that they asked her. So I hear where he's coming from, man. But I mean, please, those guys were friggin' he worked for them, what, 10, 14, 15 years, some crazy shit like that. So even though he got fired, it wasn't on bad terms. And you have a relationship built. If you're going to fucking want to use the guy's house, you ask him. And not saying you can't ask his wife like she's not in charge, but you ask the man in the house, you do it straight up and you do it like you're supposed to. So I don't blame Ryder for being pissed about that. Ryder was also on Keeping It 100. That's a show that ex-WCW wrestlers Conan and Disco Inferno do. And sometimes it's also got Cyrus, too. That guy used to be a ring manager. But uh, what you call it, Ryder talked about um, his YouTube show, The Z Long Island Story, that made him a huge star back then, even though WWE didn't use it. And he is blaming himself for not knocking on Vince McMahon's door about it. He said a lot of other people got over on YouTube like he did even before. For him, but the fact that he didn't go talk to Vince about it first, or you know what I mean, or when it was happening, he regrets. Uh, Cordona said, I could have easily knocked on his door and said, Hey, Vince, what's going on here? I, at the time, was a couple of things. I was naive, I wasn't mature enough, and I wasn't man enough to knock on his door. So we'll never know how we would have went with it. I do blame myself for that. I never want to regret things or hold grudges or blame other people because then you are just bitter, and I just don't want to live that life. Now, we know that WWE is not keen on mixed-gender matches, like a straight-up man-versus-woman match. It's going on all over the wrestling world, but WWE kind of shuns on it. Well, the queen of WWE has her flair, excuse me, the queen of WWE flair, I don't even have to say that, has her sights set on a men's title. Doesn't matter which one she didn't say, but she wants to go for a man's title. On a normal say, I would say it wouldn't happen in WWE, but flair is the queen and they will do whatever it takes to keep the queen happy. So this should be pretty good, peeps. And finally, Today marks the 10-year anniversary of the faction called Nexus. That's right, peeps. It has been 10 years already since then. Well, the old leader of Nexus, Wade Barrett, tweeted about his failed but classic and not-to-be-forgotten faction. Barrett said, 10 years ago today, June 7, 2010, thank you to the other seven men who helped make it happen. History will be written by the victors, but those who were there to witness it are forever immune to their revision. You're either Nexus or you're against us. 
Now, I was a huge Nexus mark, but of course, WWE's golden boy, John Cena, buried that faction, just like he buried countless other wrestlers' careers. I still have my Nexus armband right next to my Undisputed armband, my DX ones, everything. Uh, it's a damn shame what happened to that crew. They literally could have been the shield before the shield was the shield. All right, peeves. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms, also on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and we're even on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1, as in the number one. If you want to win a Series 1 unrivaled AEW Chris Jericho action figure, you got to go to our YouTube. Like I said, our YouTube's the AEW Insider under Lee Benz. Go to our YouTube and you have to be a subscriber. So if you're not a subscriber, make sure you do that. Besides that, pick any little video that your little heart desires and like, share, and comment. So subscribe to our YouTube, like, share, and comment one video, and boom, you're in the running to win a La Champion AEW action figure. All right, peeps, I'm just, what you call it? I'm going to tune out right now. I'm going to keep rambling on, rambling on, I love talking to you guys, but I got to go. I got shit to do. But I will be back in a couple of days. If you don't see me on here, remember, check me out on YouTube. If you don't see me on YouTube, check me out on the podcast. I'll see you, peeps, in a couple of days. Ciao.